Welcome to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast with Jim Palmer. Explore the universal significance of spirituality beyond traditional religious dogma and doctrines. Jim is a founder of the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality, where you can find community, resources, online courses, and more. Go to www.nonreligiousspirituality.com to learn more. Good morning. Welcome to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast. My name is Jim Palmer, and the fun fact of today is, what would you do with only three hours of daylight? You only have three hours of daylight. What would you choose to do? How would you organize your life if you only had three hours of daylight? And this is the reality for the 462 people that live in the town of Oy Myokan, Russia. So let me tell you a little bit about Oy Myokan, Russia. It's the coldest permanently inhabited place on earth. The average temperature is minus 58 degrees and it can get down to minus 145. So you better bundle up if you plan to get out if you're in Oy Myokan, Russia. You could hike to the peak of Mount Everest and it still would not be as cold. You could go to Mars it still would not be as cold in Oy Myokan, Russia. 462 people live there. The number of tourists, zero. Here's the good news if you're in Oy Myokan is that you don't need a refrigerator. There's only one market and one school. And the way that work goes is it's two weeks of work and two weeks off. So you get those two weeks off so you can kind of bundle together all those three hours of daylight each day to get things done. But in Oymyokan, the plumbing freezes, which is why there are outhouses. People live by hunting and animal husbandry. Your eyelashes freeze the minute you walk outside. And if your car stalls, you could die. So that's the fun fact of the day. I don't know how fun it is, but all I know is that the people who are permanent habitants of Oi Myokan actually seem to be very happy people. They've adapted to their chilly way of life and they are maximizing their use of their three hours of daylight. So that's the fun fact of the day. It's December and many parts around the country, it's getting cold, maybe icy, you might get a little snow. But when you start complaining about these winter weather temps, just try to remember our good friends, the 462 folks that live in Oymyokan. Okay, today's podcast, I'd like to, uh, to talk about this. Theism is dead. Theism is dead. Now, what I mean by theism, or classical theism, or monotheism, I'll get to that in a minute, what I mean when I use the word theism, but for today's podcast, I'd like to 
throw out this idea that theism is dead. Now, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche is partly known for this statement of his when he said that God is dead. Well, what did Nietzsche mean when he said this? Well, Darwin's findings about the origins of humankind was made public during Nietzsche's day. And in this work entitled On the Origin of Species, Darwin laid out the foundation for evolutionary biology. And so Nietzsche believed that because of this and other scientific discoveries of this day, that science now offered credible answers to life's existential questions, which no longer necessitated a belief in God to answer them. So Nietzsche said, God is dead. It's not like he ever believed there was a God who ceased to exist. Nietzsche meant that the idea of God was dead. It was no longer necessary. Over, done, finished. So today what I'm saying is that theism is dead. What do I mean by theism? For the sake of this podcast, I mean classical Christian theism, which is the notion that, first, there is a God who is a supreme supernatural being or entity who created the universe and humankind, that said God is managing and directing human affairs according to a divine purpose, that our relationship to this God determines our eternal fate, And that the death and resurrection of Jesus is the crux of the whole thing. And what I'm suggesting is that this is dead. This theism is dead. Now, why do I think this? Well, there are a few reasons why I think this. The first reason is that scientific discoveries and theories since Darwin, for example, quantum physics, has bolstered the idea that we don't need the God of religion or the God of classical theism to explain anything. I mean, if there ever was a time when science is called into question the necessity of God to make sense of the universe, it's now, right? A second reason why theism is dead is that classical Christian theism has fallen into disfavor for many different reasons. It has fallen into disfavor in the wake of the secularization of Western society. It has fallen into disfavor because of the exodus from institutional religion. It has fallen into disfavor because of the backlash against evangelicalism. It's fallen into disfavor because of the deconstruction movement. The growing deconstruction movement of people who are exiting Christian theism, leaving religion behind. Christian theism has fallen into disfavor because the up-and-coming generations, like Generation Z, is the most non-religious generation ever, the first post-Christian generation, and 35 to 40% of Gen Zers identify as atheists. So, look, the classic Christian theism idea has largely fallen into disfavor. That's one of the reasons 
why Christian theism is dead. Now, I would say a third one is that more critical thinking is being applied to religion. Well, why is that? Well, it's partly because postmodern sensibilities have now become mainstream, such as the deconstruction of language. Linguistics, the deconstruction of language, is not some ivory tower academia sort of concept, but people are realizing that language is not as objective and solid as we might have thought. In other words, through the deconstruction of language, we figured out that there really isn't anything called God. God is a word that we use as a symbol to talk about or represent or identify something on the level of ultimate reality. But if someone says to me, Jim, do you believe in God? My question is going to be, well, what God are we talking about? Because God is just a word. It can mean many different things. And so many people are starting to apply a more sophisticated level of critical thinking, apply that to religion. The deconstruction of language is a part of that. We've also seen the man behind the curtain. We've also seen the false choices of binary thinking. Right, that particularly when it comes to God, there's either the God of Christian theism or there's no God at all. And we're beginning to see the limitations of those conceptual frameworks. And this is one of the reasons why Christian theism is dead. It's because people are realizing that there's more options and choices on the landscape of thinking about God. It's not Christian theism or bust anymore. Another reason why Christian theism is dead is the growing prevalence of Eastern spirituality in the West, which is a non-theist understanding of ultimate reality without the baggage of classical Christian theism. And what I mean by the baggage of Christian theism is all that Christian theology that is making less and less sense to people. The doctrine of original sin, God is a supreme person who is separated from the universe, substitutionary atonement, the belief in a literal heaven and hell, even a literalist interpretation of the Bible. Look, in Eastern spirituality, there is a credible non-theist understanding of ultimate reality, which doesn't require a person toting around all this classical Christian theism that they can no longer believe with good conscience. Another reason why theism is dead is that there has been a flight to pan-entheism or to process relational theology. In other words, Panentheism and process relational theology is a conception of God, not as a separate entity, but intertwined in every part of the universe. God as a dynamic relatedness. And so theism is not the only game in town in thinking about God.
And there are many, many people today who are leaving theism for panentheism. Totally a very different conception of God. And then lastly, uh, Christian theism is, theism is dead because there's a softer, kinder theism that's an option now. You know, you can play around with a different biblical hermeneutic to come up with a softer theism, maybe lose some of that Christian theological baggage, see God as love, and then you have a different sort of theism. Um, at least it's not that classical, traditional, orthodox Christian theism because that's dead. It's over, it's done, it's finished. There's a backlash against evangelicalism. And that is all those things I just mentioned, all of that. The science of the universe, how theism has fallen into disfavor, more critical thinking applied to religion, the growing prevalence of Eastern spirituality, the flight to panentheism, a softer, kinder, gentler theism. For all these reasons, theism is dead, it's over, it's done, it's finished. Now, what are the possible responses to this podcast? Well, one of the responses to this podcast might be, might go like this, Jim, I could care less. Hey, I get it. I get it. Maybe this just seems like a lot of philosophizing and theologizing and all these isms and all this existential gobbledygook talk. It's like one big freaking headache. Who needs it? No, I, hey, I get it. So here's what I would say. To those of you who say that Jim, I could care less, I would say, go back to your regularly scheduled life and forget you ever heard this podcast. Just forget about it. Go back, cultivate a life that is meaningful for you, find a meaningful way of coping with the givens of human existence, be a person of love and compassion, live courageously according to your highest truth and deepest conviction and be done with it. And that's okay. Maybe that is what you should do with this podcast. And if you did that, and that was the right thing for you to do, then that would be awesome. Another response to this podcast might be, Jim, come on. There is no God, period. It does atheism, panentheism, pantheism, deism, whatever theism is. Look, there is no God. Okay, I get that. I get that. Understand it. Maybe you're an atheist. Well, there's a range here, right? You know, Dawkins came up with this scale I thought was pretty interesting. It starts with the strong theist. That's the person that says, I do not question the existence of God. I know he exists. Then there's the de facto theist. That person says, I cannot know for certain, but I strongly believe in God and I live my life on the assumption that he is there. 
Then there's the weak theist that says, I'm very uncertain, but I am inclined to believe in God. And then after that, you start to get into the more pure forms of atheism. For example, there's the pure agnostic who says that God's existence and non-existence are equally probable. It could be either way. That's what the pure agnostic says. The weak atheist says, I do not know whether God exists, but I'm inclined to be skeptical. Then there's the de facto atheist. He says, I or she says, I cannot know for certain, but I think God is very improbable. And I live my life under the assumption that he is not there. And then there's the strong atheist. That person says, I am 100% sure there is no God. And I might also make the distinction that there can be a difference between an intellectual atheist versus a reactionary atheist. And the intellectual atheist is the person who applies critical thinking, sits down, thinks about the best answers to explain the universe, the best answers to life's existential questions, and genuinely believe that God is the worst answer and that science offers the best answers. A reactionary atheist, atheist may be a person who rejects classical Christian theism. They reject the Christian religion. They reject the God of religion. And therefore, they kind of swing over to there must not be any God at all. And some people are reactionary atheists. I'm not saying that most atheists are. I think many of the atheists that I know are intellectual atheists. But there are some that are reactionary atheists. But to the reactionary atheists, I would say you can believe in, quote, God or believe in, quote, ultimate reality. And you don't have to be a theist to do that. Well, for that matter, you can ascribe significance to Jesus and not be a Christian. So some people might say, Jim, I could care less. Another person might say, Jim, come on, there is no God. Then the third response of a person listening to this podcast could be, Jim, there has to be a God. But I know it can't be the evangelical Christian God. And to that, I would say, great, great. Explore the God landscape. Investigate Eastern spirituality. Investigate philosophy's answers to life's existential questions. Look up Baruch Spinoza's view about God. Investigate process thinking or process theology or open and relational theology. Hey, I got you. I understand. You cannot believe in the God of evangelical or classical Christian theism, but you're pretty sure there's got to be a God. Well, look, there's a lot of choices on the landscape that you can explore. So maybe ask, well, Jim, what do you think? What's your opinion of classical Christian theism? Because I started this podcast saying that theism is dead. And what I mean by that, similar to what Nietzsche said, is the idea that the idea or the notion, the conception, the framework of theism as being the most probable explanation of ultimate reality has lost its momentum and is in the decline and is practically dead in the water. 
But for me personally, my misgivings about classical Christian theism are as follows. First, I have a problem with separation theology. Separation theology is at the core of Christian theism, the idea that there is a God separate from the universe and humankind, and that we are here to have a proper relationship with said God. But the core of it is separation. And by the way, I understand the significance of Jesus being the truth that there is no such separation, but let's face it, the core of classical Christian theism is separation theology. The second misgiving I have about classical Christian theism is the Christian theological edifice that it's built upon. The Trinity, original sin, divinity of Jesus, substitutionary atonement, heaven and hell. I got a problem with the doctrines that construct that edifice on top of which Christian theism rests. Another problem there, criticism or critique or my misgivings about classical Christian theism are the historical results of people who subscribe to this view of God. But we don't have time to go into all of them, but I think the Crusades is an example of what can happen when people go off the rails with classical Christian theism, which you couldn't do that with something like Eastern spirituality's notion of the ground of all being, because we're all manifestations of the same reality. There is no separate God to argue about in terms of who is right and who is wrong. So the historical results, in my view, aren't particularly good for Christian theism. But then lastly, my misgivings about classical Christian theism is that the damage that has been done in my work as a deconstruction of religious trauma counselor over the last 25 years has been filled with people who have been deeply damaged and traumatized by toxic religious indoctrination, most of which has been attached to this kind of classical Christian theistic view of God. So that's kind of my critique. So Bertrand Russell said this, cruel men believe in a cruel God and use their belief to excuse their cruelty. Only kindly men believe in a kindly God, and they would be kindly in any case. All right, so that wraps it up. Appreciate you listening to this edition of the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast. You can find more resources in the area of non-religious spirituality at the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality which you can find at nonreligiousspirituality.com. That's it for now. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and we shall be back soon with another podcast. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit nonreligiousspirituality.com to find community, resources, and more.